You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Mavericks for Monday, December 12th. It is a game day. We've got the Nuggets in town tonight to watch some uh, some young, fun basketball, what the Mavericks will probably hope to be next year. Uh, but my name is Mike Marshall. I'm one of your hosts. You can follow me at Machine Sports on Twitter. You can follow the show at Locked on Mavs on Twitter if you're into that kind of thing. He is Jacob Kemp at Not Jack Kemp. You can hear Mondays through Friday on a bad radio on the ticket. How you doing, pal? Doing well, man. Uh, are we surviving this Cowboys loss, or is everything? Do we need to just scrap it all? Uh, not happy, <laughs> but it's it's eleven and two. I'll take it <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, so uh, we're part of the uh, the Greater Locked On Podcast Network. Um, the uh, I like to think that the Cow- Locked On Cowboys podcast this week is probably going to be trying drugs because they just don't know how to deal with this level of failure. That's right. <laughs> Since they've been so happy for three months. But uh, check them out if you get some time. Um, and uh, check out the uh, the Fantasy Edition and the Lockdown NBA Edition if you're, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, today, um, if you're super into the Mavericks, you know they won Friday against the, uh, the Pacers um, in a game where both teams decided they just had a handshake agreement that no one was going to defend the three-point line, and the, Mavs, and the Mavs just did it a little bit better. Uh, holding Monte scoreless was pretty badass, but uh, they—I uh, think the Mavs are now going to be the uh, the litmus test for me for teams that are actively trying to get their coaches fired. <laughs> <laughs> like if you lose to the Mavericks at this point in the season without Bogut, Dirk, and Berea, you're trying to get your coach fired. And uh, I think there was some uh, some saboteurs on the uh, the Pacers roster the other night, and then they got they got smoked by the Rockets on Saturday night. So we don't need to jump into that much but um i figured we'd have uh, a little uh healthy discussion on something that i think i've changed my tune on in a matter of maybe two and a half three weeks uh time here and that is the question is is Wes matthews an asset or is he a building block mm-hmm. so is it something to turn into something else to jumpstart a uh, a rebuild or is West West Matthews um, valuable enough to be a part of what we've already kind of penciled in as Harrison Barnes playing the four uh, moving into the future? Um, and I guess we can start with some of the numbers of what he's done over the last 15 games because it's really been since that game that he sat against the Warriors. Uh, after that, he came out um, on flame for a while it's the last 15 games and here they are um it's 17.8 points per game it's 46 percent from three 
It's a 57% effective field goal percentage, three and a half boards, two assists, one steal. And oh, by the way, shooting 55% from three at home. And also playing very well next to Harrison Barnes um, and giving you a lot of flexibility. And one little uh, deep dive stat nugget that I'll give you is on spot-ups. That's what that's West Matthews' game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's used 105 spot-up possessions this season, which is uh, – there's only 10 guys in the league that have used 100-plus. He's in the 80th percentile now, even with that rough, you know, first um, – what, what would it be? First eight games that he had. Um, so there's only 10 people that have used 100-plus spot-up possessions. He's second – Huh. With the with with the in the aggregate with all of the games put together, he's at one point one four three points per possession on spot ups. He's only behind Kawhi Leonard, who is a freaking alien, at one point two six points on spot ups. That is like <laughs> that's almost a point and a half clear of the next guy behind him, um, which is just absurd. Like, <laughs> and that doesn't even take into account defense. No, it doesn't. And uh, looking at it right now, he is playing. The second most minutes of any two guard in the NBA. Kawhi or Wes? I guess they're putting uh, uh, Wes. I guess they're they're calling Kawhi a three. Oh, are they okay? Because James Harden would be mm-hmm. the only man who is playing less than one minute more than Wes. But that's mm-hmm. it. He's playing more than DeRozan, than McCollum, than Beal. Yeah. And then Clay, of course, Clay leaves a lot of games when they're up by 100, but more than Batum, Fournier. More than more dudes than that him. are making seven plus million more than him in a season. <laughs> you know what I mean? And more than anything, a lot more than dudes who are six years younger than him and don't have a ripped Achilles. Yeah, for sure. So I guess the way, I guess where to start is do you believe that Wes Matthews has turned some kind of corner? Um, and this is closer to the true uh, Wes Matthews than the first, um, let's say, two to three weeks of the season. Uh, I think he's turned a corner. I don't know that it means that I wouldn't deal him. Yeah. I really do think, I mean, because, and the only reason I would say this is, if you just look at his his entire seven-year, eight-year career, last year was the aberration. Mm-hmm. Now, it was the year, you know, that he was playing six months after, in March, rupturing his Achilles, but this is way more what he was like in the three or four years before than last year. Mm-hmm. So, I think he's probably about a, I don't know, 38 to 40% three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. That's what he's always been. Yeah. No, that's... If you put all those things in a bucket, like one of them is going to stand out. And it's last season, and it's him being pig-headed about coming back from his injury and playing pretty awfully for most of the season. Um, I think as early as like last week or the week before, I was you know messing with trade machine on Wes Matthews. But here's – I think I've done a complete 180 and kind of changed my tune. Because of how well he's played alongside Harrison Barnes and that both of them can flourish – uh, in the same on the same court in the same game for stretches of the season. I think that's very important. That can't be overlooked because um, all these other things you can kind of apply numbers to mm-hmm. um, and some level of, you know, uh, team rebuilding theory to it. But him and Harrison Barnes taking over games 
Um, I mean, that's the only time they win games. <laughs> the only time they win a basketball game this season is when Harry B. and Wes uh, combine for like 50-plus points and jumpstart the offense and carry them into the uh, the fourth quarter. And I think I still would uh, venture out into the trade market on Wes Matthews, but I think my asking price just got substantially higher. I think I'm going for a way bigger fish at this moment after the last 15 games he's had. Well, the one thing about it is you've got the pick, and if you've got a pick that everybody wants, but maybe they also want an actual NBA player, mm-hmm. it just makes it so much easier. You're just so much more uh, flexible when it comes to what you have to offer. Yeah. Because now if you can kind of serve – a multitude of needs. Like if there's a team that says, well, I mean, I can't fathom why the Kings would want Wes Matthews, but a team like the Celtics might, although Mm -hmm. they're pretty much good on wings and guards, I would move him for a pick. Yeah. Depending on what team it would be. Yeah. And protections, of course. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I don't have to get a guy back who can play right away. No. To move Wes Matthews. I would move him for for a top 10 pick right now. No one's going to give you a 10, but I'd, I I would take a first that was 20 protected. Would yeah. you move Wes Matthews right now for the 15th pick in next year's draft? I don't think I would. I think, I think I've eclipsed that, that level of return. I don't, th- I don't think I'd do 15. If you told me you could get, um, let's say... Uh, who's middle of the Eastern Conference? So you could get the the Hawks pick or the Bucks pick right now. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think I'm doing that. Um, but I think the good thing is for the Mavericks, like you mentioned, that they've reached this point in the season and with so much flexibility that they can almost pull off any kind of deal, mm-hmm. any deal that you can throw at them outside of a trading for a top ten player deal. And even in some situations, that might work. <laughs> like. Uh, if you threw, you know, all of the young dudes the pick in West Matthews at the Kings for Boogie, I don't think they'd, you know, um, I think they'd return your phone call. I don't think they'd be, you know, uh, a secondhand embarrassment on what you threw their way. But here's a couple other reasons. Um, the contract, we've talked about this before. People look at the raw number and think it's a, you know, a bad deal. Um, and you should just be willing to get off that deal no matter what. But the average NBA starter at this point uh, in the uh, this salary, the new salary cap era, is 15 million a year. 17.5 is not absurd in any way. It's 18 to 19 percent of your cap. Um, whenever it's, I think, whenever it started and moving forward, it's going to be like 18 to 19 percent of your cap, cap which is uh, below average almost for yeah. uh, for a starting two guard, um, and looking at how much teams on spot track they do or sport track, whatever you want to call it, they do the, uh, you know, how much money you have dumped into each position and they rank the, uh, the teams in the league. The Mavs aren't in top 10 and aren't in the top 10 in spending on a shooting guard. So you might see that big number and get sticker shock. Um, but it's not a bad deal. And the other part of that to me is go ahead. I'm sorry. 
No, I was just going to say, I've, I mean, I, they knew this when they signed him. I've been saying it since they signed him, that mm-hmm. if it's a four-year deal and three of it is under a 98 or $107 million cap, it's not like they don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> like, they signed him because of that. Mm-hmm. And exactly. at the time, everyone was freaking out, and it's like, I don't know, that one just, I never really understood, like, the basic uh, dissonance between percentage and raw number that, I don't know. That 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 one seemed obvious to me. Yeah, it's just that gap between um headline writing almost and uh you know, just being able to quote the raw whatever it was four for 80 or what whatever it was uh initially. Let's see what it was. So I don't sound like an idiot. 4 for 70. Um and 17.5 on average. Um so that deal is not going to hamper you going forward in any way because you're paying a starting player average starting money. And also, I think, just in the grand scheme of things, in terms of how you're going to make this gumbo uh, and push it towards the future, I honestly don't think you can fix three starting positions in one offseason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that is a big task. Because uh, you're going to need a point guard. You're probably drafting your point guard. You're going to need a center. You're going to get real creative in that fashion. Um, and then you're going to have a giant hole at shooting guard if you don't get back somebody. Um or, you know, address that via the draft as well. But I think that's almost too much to undertake in one offseason. And all this is under the guise of if Justin Anderson wasn't having a regression, I might yeah. feel I might feel completely different. You know, if you had yeah. if you had if you had a better option for me. I mean, and he is experiencing a massive step backward. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I feel really bad for him. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but he his value has just taken a nosedive from what we saw exiting the playoffs last year and I mean honestly Seth Curry I don't know if he's ready to play uh you know heavy minutes off at the uh, at the off ball guard position next to another rookie you know and or if he's ever like a starter yeah exactly and that's okay that's fine you have a small tiny investment in him and this is like the second half of his rookie season so just keep all that in mind but there's not a better answer to me on roster. I don't know if you can fix three positions in an offseason. The, the salary is not prohibitive in any, in any way. And he's been playing really, really stinking great next to Harrison Barnes. So have I changed your mind in a matter of ten minutes? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, I don't just want to move him. It's yeah. just I don't – the thing, it doesn't really – it doesn't match up with the timetable. Like mm-hmm. – you're right. They're going to have a hard time fulfilling all those spots. So let's say that next year, let's just let's it's ball or faults, whatever. Yeah. That everything holds the form. They keep their pick. They they draft in the top five. They take a point guard. That team is still probably a thirty win team. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then the next year, let's say they have another. They'd be picking like tenth or something like that. That's now the last year of Wes Matthews' deal. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that team is a playoff team. Yeah. So it's almost like, is there a point in having a guy? This is the conversation about tanking, where tanking really becomes like an actual thing. Yep. Where you ask yourself, is there a point of us having actual quality NBA players who make a lot of money Mm -hmm. if we're not going to be competitive? And at that point, you kind of have to ask yourself whether or not Harrison Barnes is, you know. Yeah worth it or not but I like Wes I think Wes is good now I think he's good I think he's back to being what he was 
I just have to if if I would I would not hang up the phone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I feel like we're kind of sitting in the same same boat, but I'm uh, but I'm kind of more optimistic on what a quick rebuild could be, um, and it's not a ton more optimistic. I just think they're not gonna. They 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 see this quite different, I think, than everybody else, and they probably think that they're one off season away uh, from getting back to a forty win team. When in reality, they're probably two and three, two or three off seasons away. Yeah. Um, and in that second off season, you don't even have Wes Matthews <laughs> under yeah. con- under contract. But I think it is kind of valuable to have him around. Um, I don't want to go, you know, lunchbox uh, lunch pail on him, and you know, he is a good dude though, and he fights, and he's a decent role model for some young kid to look up to. And I think that's kind of important. I don't think it's as important as him shooting 47% from three um, and being on a a tolerable salary. But I think I hold on to Wes Matthews right now. And unless unless a deal comes around in which I can't, um, I can't turn away from. And I wonder what, I wonder how they see it. I wonder how they yeah. see. I wonder how they see the potential of spending that eighteen percent of their cap and the potential of the return that they could get back. I'd love to know what their expectation is for that. Yeah, because it is only fifteen games, um, and this would be the time to sell him if you were. Um, but I just don't know if you can fix all. That. I don't have much faith in this in this front office to fix all those positions in an off season or even give you some kind of path to fixing all those positions in one off season. Yeah. So you're in quite the quagmire, <laughs> honestly. But uh, if we don't have anything else on Wes, we can uh, tease um, Jake on the postgame show tonight at the AAC, Denver Nuggets in town, 730 on Fox. Yeah, our boy, uh, Prime Prep's own, Emmanuel Moutier in the house. And you get to watch some uh, Jokic Moutier pick and roll as they destroy us. Um, <laughs> they're they're underwhelming significantly this year too, though. Yeah, no, the wins aren't aren't pretty, but they had they have some fun things to uh, build on and to watch. And oh, by the way, while I was looking at the NBA standings, remember when the Timberwolves were going to be in the playoffs? Yeah, remember six I and I, eight, <laughs> six and eight seed. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say they'd be they'd love for six and eight. <laughs> yeah, they'd love to only have played 14 games. Um, yeah. Six and eighteen, and challenging the Mavericks for the worst record in the Western Conference. Interesting. And then on Wednesday night, we get uh, more Jake post game show. I think with the Detroit Pistons in town. So Indeed. we're back. We're back to a pretty normal Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule. But uh, there you go. You wrestle with your own feelings about what to do with Wes Matthews, and we'll keep uh, we'll keep breaking it down. We'll be back with you uh, tomorrow with a little bit of a post game from the uh, the Nuggets match, and look forward to uh, probably the Pistons and some other crap. So. Thank you for listening. Jacob, thank you for your time. Good times.
It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.